Hi, this is Dave Pryor from The Reluctant Agilist. You're about to listen to part one of a two-part interview with Tony Johnson from Crosswind PM. This first part of the interview centers around the changes you can expect in the upcoming PMBOK, how it's structured, the inclusion of Agile, and how those changes are going to impact you if you're currently preparing for the PMP exam. Now, before we move on to the interview, I do have one correction to something that happens towards the end of the interview. Uh, when Tony talks about the PMP exam, he mentions that PMI has scheduled the change for the exam to take place on July 1st of this year. However, between the time we recorded it and me getting around to editing it, everything that's gone on with the coronavirus has necessitated a change to that. So PMI has delayed the release of the new exam until January 2nd of 2021. So that's it. I hope you enjoyed part one of this two-part interview with Tony Johnson from Crosswind PM. Don't forget to check back next week to listen to the second part where we're going to talk about the disciplined Agile certifications. Thanks. Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to the Reluctant Agilist. Tony Johnson is back. Tony, thanks for taking time out of your afternoon. You're welcome. I'm happy to be here today, Dave. Uh, this is going to be a two-part interview. So normally I do like the whole thing and post it at once, but because this is two related but sort of slightly adjacent topics, we're going to split this up into two interviews. So I'll post, you're listening to the first part now. The The second part will be posted a week after this first part. So um, Tony, before we get into the interview, um, could you give the folks that are listening kind of a, a quick overview of what you do, talk a little bit about Crosswind and the work that you do with PMI? Yeah, so my company, Crosswind in uh, Carrollton, Texas, Crosswind Project Management Incorporated, uh, we've been in business, I think, about 20, 21 years now. Um, among other things, the bulk of our history has been PMP exam preparation, uh, in fact, in 2018, we were PMI Dallas's Company of the Year, and uh, over the years, I've written 40 books on various project management, business analysis, program management, things of that nature. I teach virtual live and classroom classes, and uh, currently, I'm on my journey to become a certified Scrum trainer. I think I've taught 16 multi-day Scrum classes at this point as well. And um, so currently, I've got material updated through the sixth edition PMBOK guide, and we're beginning to do some preliminary work on the seventh edition. Okay. And you're involved with that as well. I mean, you're, you're working with PMI on this stuff. Correct. I was on the core team of uh, people helping put it together. Okay. So um, in a lot of the podcasts I do, uh, I, I talk to people about books and things like that. And sometimes I get to do them where I'm actually asking questions as the actual person who has the question. So I am the person with the question. <laughs> I am somebody who's had his PMP for a very long time. Um, I don't pay a ton of attention to the PMBOK anymore. I know it's about to go through some massive changes. Um, and I know that agile is going to be included, but for all the folks out there that are, are career project managers, um, what do they need to know? Like, what, what is going to change in our landscape? What, are the stuff, what is the stuff we have to be aware of? Well, what's going on as we go from the 6th to the 7th edition of the PMBOK Guide is something that's already been going on with the Program and Portfolio Management Standards. So, for the PMPs in the room or the, the people that want to be PMPs, they're familiar with knowledge areas, process groups, processes, inputs, tools, techniques, and outputs. And what PMI did with the sixth edition is they put an ITO or input tool technique and output structure in place that they said was going to be scalable for future books. 
So the ITOP count grew from 600 to over 1,400, which from a prescriptive perspective makes it really hard to digest. The problem was, at this point, I think the sixth edition was about an 800-page book. And, um, you know, at some point, you just can't bind a book anymore. I don't know if they'd gotten to that point or not. <laughs> but, uh, but, but I know they had shifted to, like, telephone book-style paper. So it, uh, it was getting pretty thick. Um, so this, I, I, I like to think of it as, a, instead of knowledge area, kind of a... a, a uh, a theory, if you will, like a stakeholder. Principles, yeah, right? There you, there you go. So, you know, we have the, the principle or theory of risk management, of stakeholder engagement, of planning, for example. So instead of scope, schedule, cost, quality, et cetera, uh, you just have planning. And, um, and so they're not really doing processes anymore with inputs, tools, techniques, and outputs, but basically they're shifting it to a traditional, aka waterfall, hybrid, and agile as it relates to these various principles. And, um, and you know, in putting it together, it was a really cool read, in my opinion, because, for example, when you look at scope, like when I think about scope, I love the work breakdown structure. And, uh, you know, and I can, I can preach about it like a televangelist. But, <laughs> But I start to think, okay, well, how would a new PMBOK guide, if they keep processes, factor in the product backlog, which I've said in many a Scrum class of mine, you know, the product backlog is the closest thing we've got to a WBS in Scrum as far as having a lot of value and importance because of the nature of it. And sure. so, so it's really cool to be able to look at, you know, the pre-release copy of this and see how... You know, for example, if you're reading about communications in the respective section, you know, you're reading about traditional or waterfall, kind of a hybridish approach and or agile approaches. And so, you know, the goal was to take the book from, I think, either high seven or low 800 some pages down to 200 and some pages. And so from that perspective, you know, I think we did a really good job with it. And I think we did a really good job of saying, you know, not just here's Agile or here's Waterfall, but if we, ta if we take one level above that and we say project delivery or product delivery, as, as I like to think of it, what principles do we need to have that go across Waterfall or traditional hybrid or, or Agile, if you will? Okay. And I think, you know, I think they've done a really good job at, uh, at, at letting you kind of see that full spectrum within each of the principles. So 700 pages down to two pages, I'm, I'm assuming that means they've taken a ton of the detail out. Correct, correct. Um, there's, um, there's a few things I'm not sure if I can comment on as far as secondary projects, but it looks like, uh, it looks like there's going to be some additional uh, references like PMI has always had, you know, where you can go to their website and find additional references and what have you. So I think for the newer practitioner that might look at some of these principles and go, okay, it's not so swallow it whole prescriptive, but I don't exactly know how to get started here either. I think some of these, um, these other these other products that uh, other products or other information that's going to be available 
uh, will help some of the newer practitioners kind of get a feel for how to kind of get their sea legs about them, I guess is a good way to say it. Okay. So I, I want to comment on something and see how you respond to this. So um, when I first encountered the Pimbach and passed the exam, I uh, went back to, 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 to Crossmark, where we both worked. And the, one of my fr- initial failures at that company was I said, okay, we're going to do everything uh, in the Pimbach front to back. And that lasted about three weeks. <laughs> Total failure. Nobody would do it. But I, I kind of approached it like you have to go step by step. And when I started to teach PNP, that was how I started. You start at the very beginning, you go all the way through to the end. When I started to teach Scrum, it was very confusing because there I don't I don't have like a step by step to Scrum. To me, it, it's very iterative. Like you go around the loop over and over until you fill it all in. As somebody who is you know has developed content around teaching this stuff, who coaches people and how they're going about learning it. What kind of change is this bringing to that aspect of your work? Well, I'm going, I'm going to say this. My mentality as far as 7th edition PMBOK guide as it relates to my material I'm going to be creating, my plan right now, subject to change, of course, is to stick with the, the business environment and people and processes structure that PMI is changing the PMP exam to represent. Okay. Because I think that is a, that's kind of a more modern initiating, planning, executing, monitoring, and controlling, and closing. Because business environment drives the projects or product, you know, and then we have, we have pro, uh, people, because we got to have people to do things, and then we have processes. And so, so I think similar to that mentality, you know, whether you're dealing with the people part of it or the process part of it, you do what's necessary. Um, one thing I commonly see a lot of my PMP students make a mistake on is they will think when I leave initiating and go into planning, I can't go back to initiate. Right. <laughs> it's kind of that's it's a one way path, man. Well, yeah. I mean, that's kind of an inherent implication. And, um, you know, there's a graphic. There's a graphic in our in our book that's going to start shipping later this month that shows loosely how the process groups can interact with each other. So, as an example, if you discover a new stakeholder or a stakeholder's role changes, and you're in you're in executing, you know, the project work or doing the project work, that doesn't mean you can't go back to identify stakeholders and make an adjustment to your stakeholder register. So. A lot of people tend to think about these things like phases, like initiating as a phase, planning as a phase, but that's not the, the current or ever past PMBOT guide approach. Right. Um, so I, I think, you know, the practitioners that get seven, I think to a degree as they look at these principles, it's going to be a lot less prescriptive uh, and you know, and more of a, you know, when I'm doing this, these are things I need to take into consideration, whether that's traditional, aka waterfall, somewhere in the middle with hybrid or the agile approach. Yeah. Okay. And, and I will say, you know, I ran, I ran into many as many a student of mine that, you know, they're excited about the PMBOK guide approach and they're going to go back to work and they're going to on people's throat prescriptive swallow it whole and that was me like you say it works about three weeks yeah (laughs) and you know i commonly will tell students you know start with a communication management plan maybe an issue log you know a schedule 
those sort of things don't scare people, you know, and, and, and from there kind of figure out where, where you can go from there. I, I think the thing that I didn't even realize until probably about two years in when somebody pointed it out to me was that it's called a guide, yeah. not, not the directions. <laughs> yeah, not, not the doctor's prescription about yeah. it the cold. No pun intended with the stuff we're dealing with right now. Now, so, yeah. for people that are seasoned, people that have been um, doing this stuff for more than 10 years, do you think that I mean, is there, are they going to have to make changes to their, to their understanding, to their knowledge base? Is it significant enough that they're going to have to go back and go through the whole PMBOK again? Do they have to relearn how this stuff works? Um, can they just kind of move on with what they have? Like, is, is this a big enough change with the inclusion of all the Agile stuff that this puts them at risk if they're not familiar with it? I will say this with, with my background. When I was first exposed to, to you know, the principles, if you will, it was mind-blowing. You mean the Agile Principles? No, no, no. Just oh. the 7th edition PMBOT guide. Oh, okay. Got it. Sorry. No, no problem. Um, and I say it was mind-blowing because I've got, I sometimes will say to my students, you know, I've got PMBOT guide layers in my brain. So I go all the way back to the 96 PMBOT guide before they called it 3rd, 4th, 5th edition. And so even back then, I could still see a connection from that to the sixth edition. But the seventh edition, in fairness, if I was looking at it, I, I don't know that I would recognize it as a PMI publication. It's that different. And so that said, you know, historically, I see the seasoned people kind of take a cursory glance through a PMBOK guide and kind of notice what's different, you know, like, Oh, they managed, they added managed project knowledge. They finally recognized the value of lessons learned, you know, things like that. This is not going to be the, oh, they added this or, oh, they added that. This is going to be, um, I'm going to, if I, if I get this book, I'm going to be kind of digesting it. Um, and it's, it's probably not going to be as dry of a read as it once was as well. That, that would be very good. <laughs> very good. <laughs> Um, okay. So for the, for the people that I, I get people in class all the time asking me if they should still pursue their PMP. And I always tell them yes, because to me, even though I don't, you know, most of that stuff I don't have day to day use for anymore. Um, being able to speak that language, being able to understand the sensitivities there and how it all works and, and the mindset of somebody who comes from that background has been incredibly valuable. Um, do you think that the people that are heading towards PMP should rush and try to take it under the sixth edition or wait for the seventh if they're going to take the test? That's a very interesting question you asked me, Dave. So let me clarify something. This July 1st change, if you're referring to that, if you're referring to that, that is actually still going to be a sixth edition PMBOK guide based test as far as a PMBOK guide reference. Uh, but they're shifting it from initiating through closing to people, they call it people processes and business environment. I put the business environment first, but, but, uh, but so they're shifting it to that and they, they claim they're going to have about 50% agile content in the test. Um, as of July 1st of this year? As of July 1st of this year, yes, sir. Wow. They've already pushed the date out once. It was supposed to be, I think, mid-December of last year, and they moved it out six months. So I, I'm assuming they're going to make the date. Um, 
you know, I know they've got a pilot program later, uh, later this month or sometime this month when people can be taking the new test. And so they're also supposed to be implementing some new question formats as well. Okay. So said, I would say if somebody's currently studying, you know, try to take it before July 1st just to be safe. If, uh, you know, if you don't get it done by then, I'm not going to say it's, I'm not, especially if you have some agile experience, I'm not going to say it's life or death. Right. But uh, you're probably going to get it you're probably going to need to get a new book with some additional content, some additional questions in it, for example. Okay. And I'm assuming that test is still the big monster it was when I took it way back in the odd twos. Yeah. <laughs> 200 questions, choose the best of what's there or the least worst. Uh, you know, I, you know, it's kind of like the old, you know, some people get caught up in, well, there's four perfect answers. Yeah. You have to choose what's best. Okay. Yeah what's least worst and that frustrates a lot of people so yeah okay so i got one more question before we end part one of the interview okay um what is the the thing that that you're finding when you're teaching all these classes and working with all these project managers what is like the, the biggest thing that you think that they're missing the missing piece from the puzzle the thing that they don't really get i would say two things um I, I know you asked for one, but Two's I just fine. One A and one B. You're you're a traditional project manager. You you over deliver. And there you go. <laughs> just yeah. So I, I I think one thing is um, that I see with a lot is they try to rely on their experience too heavily. And I you know I tell them literally out of the gate you're in PMI land you're a project manager in PMI land this is what goes on P on in PMI land regardless of what your work experience is and I'll tell them the double-edged sword of this is your experience has to be enough to qualify for the exam but if you rely on that experience too much on the test you're going to fail it yeah I'll tell them be like Joe Bob. Joe Bob does bait fishing in South Texas. Uh, he takes people out on a boat. So what does Joe Bob know about data warehousing questions or IT questions? Just answer it based on what we covered in class. Yeah. Now, other thing is study habits. You know, um, some and I'm not saying everybody sucks at study habits or anything like that. I'm not saying you have to be overly anal retentive, but you know, if somebody comes through my program and they've already they've already done some credentials of this magnitude, generally what I know is I just got to take them on the journey and get them where they need to be. Yeah. But if somebody hasn't done a, an exam like this in a while and, you know, often they don't think it's as complex as it is. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm not going to say the PMP is the hardest I've ever done, the PGMP or PFMP was. but. Uh, but, you know, but I'll tell them, you know, this thing is, it, it'll rattle you. And it's a you, monster, that test. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, what is it? Ten, uh, 10 knowledge areas now. You got framework and professional responsibility. 12 different subject areas and the questions are randomly distributed. I mean, that's, you, it's, it's, it's a marathon. And yeah. if you're not ready for it, it's going to kick you square between the eyes and the rest of that test, you're not going to be recovered. And yep. so, uh, so I talk a lot about the psychology of the test and the test environment. You know, I made a lot of videos on YouTube under PM Exam Guru 
about how to get ready for exam day and things like that. You know, they're about five to seven minutes long. And I've been told they're extremely helpful as far as, you know, just getting in that test mentality. Cool. All right. So uh, thank you. And I want to, I want, we're going to move on to part two in a second, but before we do that, just to close out this part, if people want to reach out to you or learn about, you know, the stuff that you do or the classes that you offer or the videos that you offer, uh, where's the best place for them to go to track you down? I'll, I'll give you a domain and an email address. Cross, okay. Crosswindpm.com, C-R-O-S-S-W-I-N-D-P-M.com. And then the email address, info at crosswindpm.com. Awesome. Well, thank you, man. You're welcome. You're welcome.